Hello and welcome to the Big West Tournament Week edition of the Court Sense Podcast. Very soon we'll find out if Hawaii can capitalize on this crazy season and claim its first BWC title and NCAA tournament appearance on either the men or women's side since 2016. The Rainbow Warriors and Rainbow Wahine will have to pull off some upsets to do so as the 6th and 5th seed in their respective brackets at fanless Michelob Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay Casino in Las Vegas. The UH women drew 4th-seeded Cal State Bakersfield in a noon Hawaii time matchup Wednesday on ESPN3 and ESPN Honolulu Radio. That could be a tough one for Laura Beeman and the Wahine, who dropped a pair of low-scoring contests at Bakersfield in January. But should they win, they'd likely face five-time defending regular season champion UC Davis in the semifinals. Aranganat's bows, meanwhile, have no easier a road. They face third-seeded UC Riverside and first-year coach Mike Magpio in their quarterfinal at 6 p.m. Hawaii time on Thursday. UH nearly swept UCR at SRC Arena back in January, but settled on a split when Arinze Cheatham hit the go-ahead hook shot with a few seconds left in the second game. Should UH prevail, it would likely get second-seeded UC Irvine in the semis, a team that it is 0-3 against in Big West tournament play. That said, UH hasn't won a tournament game since it won it all in Gannat's first year back in 2016. To help me break it all down, I was able to get in some time with a guy who will be there calling some of the action, Trent Rush of ESPN3 and Big West Productions. Rush got into the broadcasting business at an incredibly young age. He was just 20 when he did his first broadcast on ESPN3. He's only improved since then and is now the radio play-by-play voice of UC Irvine Hoops and does Los Angeles Angels radio as well. So, here we go with the Big West Tournament. Check out Mike and Kara at Nokooi Automotive in Kalihi for all your vehicle repairs and maintenance needs. Quick turnaround, affordable, honest, and ASE certified. Call or text 842-6453 to schedule an appointment today. That's 842-MIKE or email nokaoiauto at gmail.com. The best part, mention the Court Sense podcast for a 10% discount. All right, this very special Big West Tournament edition week of the Court Sense podcast has a guest that uh, meets the moment in Trent Rush. He has been a longtime ESPN uh, broadcaster for Big West games. He, he's a dedicated broadcaster for, for UC Irvine games on, on their radio call. And uh, he does a little bit of uh, Los Angeles Angels baseball calls as well. Uh, Trent Rush, welcome to the pod. Ryan, appreciate you having me, man. I'm excited to talk a little Big West hoops. Uh, yeah, I think I caught you at a good time. It is uh, <laughs> the night before the first round of the tournament there in Las Vegas, the first uh, Big West tournament in Las Vegas in quite some time, it, uh, first in the current iteration of Big West hoops and in these basically current members of the league. Uh, mm-hmm. What are you uh, looking forward to this week coming up? Well, I'll just tell you this. So I just spoke with Dan Butterly, the new commissioner, uh, about a half hour ago. I just took a, a site visit looking at the court, checked some things out, and our production team is, is gearing up and getting ready for that. At Mandalay Bay is first class. And, and the way that I kind of see this thing playing out, it feels to me a lot like a bowl game atmosphere. Um, the way that, you know, the Honda Center is a great site and it's a great opportunity to play at Honda Center. I, I think that's an awesome experience for everybody. But with everybody, all these teams being at the same hotel, 
in the same kind of feel. It's it's just too bad fans can't be here because it, it really has like a bowl game-like feel. That's like the best way I can compare it. I think it's going to be a great experience for the student-athletes. And I think we're going to see high-caliber, highly competitive basketball because when I look at this conference, I think there's a lot of parity. There is every year. But I, I, I think this, you know, you look at these 10 teams, I think that there's an opportunity for a lot of upsets. And I, I mean, I look at a team like Hawaii, what, the sixth seed? And they, they have the ability to win this whole thing. Like, that's, that's the kind of team they are. And there's a lot of teams like that. You know, Riverside's a team that's kind of come out of nowhere. And they're really interesting. So, you know, I look at this Big West tournament, I think it's going to be a really just a fun week of games. And I think a really good experience for these guys. So it's been a while, Trent, since the, the Big West had a, a playing round uh, for the tournament, right? I mean, it's been one through eight, or you know, and there's been a team that hasn't made it in recent years. The, the ninth yeah. team hasn't qualified this year. There are 11 teams in the league, uh, given that UC San Diego is a transitional team, so they're not eligible for the tournament. That means 10 teams competing. Seven through 10 seeds are going to be in action uh, Tuesday night. Uh, what's going to be your involvement in those games, first of all? So I'll be doing the CSUN Long Beach State game. So that's going to be the first men's game tomorrow. So that's at uh, 3 o'clock local time. So uh, I'll be doing that game, and then I will not be doing game two between uh, Cal Poly and Cal State Fullerton. So I kind of have I kind of have the top half of the bracket, uh, and I'll be following that group most of the way through. So it should be lots of fun. What Do you have any uh, thought on, on one of these teams – could that could potentially come out of the playing round and maybe cause trouble for somebody in the quarterfinals? Yeah, you know, I saw Cal State Fullerton give UC Irvine some problems just with their full court defense. And, you know, the, if you get the kind of game, it's going to be officiated um, loosely. They they have a really aggressive uh, guards on the defensive end. So, so Cal State Fullerton, I think, is capable of, of, of doing some of that. You know, I look at Long Beach State. You know, before they lost on Saturday and by double figures to UC Irvine, they had lost five straight games by a total of what, like nine points or something crazy like that. All these one possession games Long Beach State has lost. They're kind of interesting. They're, they're down Michael Carter the third. Um, he's no longer part of the program, so they're hurting with that. I really, I don't think there's a team in the bottom four that's going to have an opportunity to win this thing. I mean, maybe there could be some upsets. I mean, TJ Starks. At CSUN, you know, is a one-man wrecking crew for them. So he's an interesting player. But, you know, there's not a whole el- whole lot of else behind him. But I, I kind of see that one through six, any of those teams can win it. I'd be really, really surprised if a, a team seven through ten were to win this thing. As would I. I mean, you're at such a competitive disadvantage, not only having to get through another round, but normally it would be three games in three days, which is tough enough in its own right. Mm-hmm. Four games in five days against – a higher seeded team against a better rested team after after you get past that first round, it just puts you at such a dis- disadvantage that maybe you get one more yeah. shocking win, but I just can't see it. So, well, um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, Brian, and you know this from covering the women. It seems like every year there's one of those teams that's in the first round that ends up winning a quarterfinal game to get to the semis. And I, and I just that the experience of being in the tournament already, having a game under your belt, I, I think that can happen. But to win the whole tournament, yeah, it's it's a huge disadvantage. No question. And uh, that part of the reason Hawaii's final regular season series at UC Davis, getting the win on the first of the two nights was so big for them is they eliminated any possibility of, uh, you know, backsliding into that situation. And uh, they, did, they did not win the second game. So, and the other teams around the league, uh, CSUN and, and Long Beach, their results would have also clinched it for Hawaii. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to backslide into it. So. Sure. Um, well, 
Trent, I was hoping maybe we could go through kind of those one through six seeds, you know, the teams that advanced straight into the quarterfinals and will be playing on Thursday at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, maybe we could go, you know, point by point through those guys. I guess we'll we'll start with go uh, lowest seed to the highest number six Hawaii. Uh, as we said, I mean, you think that they have a shot to you know maybe uh, pull pull some surprises there and and get through. What do you what strikes you about the Rainbow Warriors? What you saw this year? I, I think it's a resilient team. It's a team that plays with a lot of heart. And I know that those can kind of sound like coach speak terms, but. There's something different about this Hawaii group. And I was there when they beat UC Irvine. I mean, and even the first game when, when they, you know, UC Irvine had to go to over, or, you know, that game came down to the wire. Like Hawaii very well could have swept that weekend against UC Irvine. I was just really impressed by how hard they played. It's a thin bench. You know, they, they lost all those starters before the season began. I just think it's remarkable what Iran has done. And, and Iran deserved – Iran should have been in the mix for coach of the year. I'm not saying he should have won it, but he should have been in the mix because I think what he's done with that Hawaii team and the way they are playing is impressive. I, I think there's a lot of athleticism there. Sure, they're undersized, but maybe the way that they played, like, like Irvine's supposed to be the big bruising team. Well, it was it, Hawaii that was the team that's kind of bullying them around at times with their physical guard play. I, I like this Hawaii team. It's going to come down to you know how well they shoot the basketball. We know that that's a streaky team. If they get hot, they can beat anybody. Um, and, and if they're if they're not shooting the ball well, they're going to have a tough time beating anybody. I mean, that's just kind of how Hawaii has been this year. But I like their athleticism. I like I like their perimeter defense. I think they they have really well defending guards, and and that's part of what I, I like about that team for sure. You know, Junior Madut was like the star of that game against Irvine when when mm-hmm. Hawaii somehow came back and and you know equalized it and got it to overtime and and prevailed somehow again despite <laughs> turning the ball over seemingly every possession. Uh, Junior Madut did star in that game, and I thought maybe he would be able to build off that. He didn't quite get back to that the level he played that in that game okay. for the remainder of the season, but uh, he's one of the four guys. Him, James Jean Marie has had his moments. Kazdan Jardine has had his moments. And Justin Webster is at his moments. Four guys yeah. who made the uh, all honorable mention list for the Big West. Um, pretty rare to have nobody on first or second team, but four guys right. on honorable mention. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Yeah, M- uh, Madut and Jean Marie really, I thought, were impressive to me in that UC Irvine series. And, and going just just go back on that just for a moment. I felt like UC Irvine won Game One. I felt like Hawaii should have won Game One, and then in Game Two, Hawaii ends up winning it. I felt like Irvine should have won that night. It was that kind of series, but like that's what Hawaii can do, and that to me makes them really dangerous. All right, uh, but I'm curious. You know, you you see a lot of Irvine. You call their games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russ Turner was obviously frustrated after that second game, um, mm-hmm. and you could see it on TV. Uh, how did he respond? Or you know, in the in the days and, and maybe week after that game, getting his guys. <laughs> I guess back to playing like how he wanted them to play. Well, you know, it's funny. It's, <laughs> when you're when you're not around Russ, you kind of see these glimpses of of things that maybe don't necessarily re- reflect the kind of person he is. Um, in the moment and in the heat of battle, I mean, the guy the guy on the court. I mean, it's it's I I find humor in it. Uh, because I know the kind of person that he is, and, and he's a really competitive guy. But I mean, I'm telling you that I saw him that night. I mean, by the time the bus got back to the hotel, it was all right. Let's on on the next. Let's go and, and it's putting that focus on and and figuring things out for the next game. So so that's how Russ is wired. I think it's just such a young team at UC Irvine. I'm sure we'll talk more about them later. But that, that's just a really young, um, inexperienced team that it looks really. They have a lot of talent. They look great at moments, and then there's times where it's like, oh yeah, they are the second youngest team in the country. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, there was that dichotomy I noticed with, uh, you know, the Colin Velp and Brad Green, you know, these hyper-experienced, you know, veteran players, and then this crop of youngsters, but right. we'll get there. All right, so the, the fifth seed, uh, Cal State Bakersfield, right, Trent? Uh, the newcomer to the Big West, the only newcomer in, in the uh, tournament because UC San Diego, as we said, uh, is not eligible for uh, tournament play. So, um, you know, senior-laden group, uh, experienced group, Rod Barnes, a very veteran, experienced head coach. Uh, they've got to the NIT semifinals as an eight seed in the NIT a, a handful of years ago in the WAC, surprised a bunch of people. Can they do something similar as the five seed here, Trent? Man, I love Rod Barnes. You know what I love about his teams is just the toughness. Look, if you want to look at just pure talent in the league, Cal State Bakersfield might have the least amount of pure talent. But, man, do they play hard. Man, are they physical. And, you know, Tajay Moore, he, he's, he's a very good player. To me, he's not like the super dynamic player that are, you know, is when you think of like a best player on a Big West team, I think he's probably not to that same level. But he does so many things so well. He doesn't put up big numbers. I will say this, though. Losing Sean Stith, their big man in the middle, done for the season, that's a huge loss for them. I thought he, you know, to me – I think he's the strongest player in the Big West. And and that's, you know, Brad Green is probably going to be really upset if he hears me say that because Brad probably <laughs> thinks it's him. But I, I'm telling you what, uh, Stith was, was kind of pushing Brad around when I saw them against Irvine. And, and I, I've seen Bakersfield a couple of times. And, and I really love the way that guy just commanded business in the middle. Losing that interior presence is going to be a huge hit for them. Uh, but I, I like the way this team grinds. I like how they make adjustments, and I think a lot of that you know speaks volumes about their coach Rod Barnes. I think they're going to be they're going to show up as one of the best coach teams in this league. I don't know if it's going to be enough for them to win it because losing Stiff is just an absolute killer. But I, I, I like how hard that Bakersfield team plays. Yeah, I was really kind of disappointed to hear that he's he's done for the year. I only heard that you know kind of a few days ago, actually yeah. during this past weekend's series. Uh, series of games and um, you know that that guy was a load for Hawaii to handle no doubt when when the Roadrunners came to the stand sheriff and, and took two uh, the the only opponent to come in here and and win both games of a miniseries this year so um, but I, I guarantee those guys are still a uh, tough out and uh, that that'll take us to their opponent in their quarterfinal round uh, the UC Davis Aggies uh, the four seed Jim Les uh, veteran of the Big West seems to always get uh, his utmost out of his guys and the system he runs over there at Davis. Uh, Hawaii fans, of course, will, would have just seen him split. Uh, they, they earned their win on senior night to get the split against Hawaii. Uh, what strikes you about uh, Ezra Manyon, the reigning Big West freshman of the year, and uh, Jim Less and, and the Davis Aggies? I love Ezra Manyon. I mean, this guy, I just think he does everything. And Jim Les kind of talked about this on, on the coach's call the other day about how it's not just about his offensive ability. This guy has become a basketball player. He moves better without the ball. He plays much better defense than a year ago. I, I think Manyon is, is a premier player in this league. And, and Jim Les is, is a premier coach anywhere. I just think back to, you know, obviously Hawaii had their struggles and, and they missed basically all of non-conference. For UC Davis, they got started, then had to stop for over a month and get back to it. Not by any fault of their own. It's not like they had you know, guys going out partying and then they, you know, they catch it and, and they have positive tests. None of that. It was a county order. It was the, I think one of two counties in California that was really just on total lockdown where they couldn't do anything. 
And I felt awful for them because those guys were working so hard. And I think they were a disadvantage early when all these other teams have been playing for a month and they hadn't been. But then they go and they rattle off five wins in a row and win six of their final seven games. They're as dangerous as anybody. You just kind of know with Jim Les teams, you know, they're going to be disciplined. They're going to play great defense. They're going to play hard. And, you know, they have a couple shooters out there. And if Mannion gets going, um, you know, that could be a really, really tough matchup for anybody. Yeah, and this team, I think that Davis team is a little bit short in the front court, right, Trent? I mean, there's yeah. not a whole lot of, of depth there to speak of. I think Hawaii uh, tried to take advantage of that uh, to, to mix results uh, in that series at Davis. Um, how, how did Irvine look against them from what you saw? Uh, yeah, Irvine Irvine didn't play them this year. So that was one of the teams that we didn't oh, okay. see. Yeah, Irvine didn't see them. They didn't see CSUN either. But I, I will say Davis teams are always kind of thin in the front court. Like, like there's never really that big interior presence, but they find ways. And, and they always – I feel like their threes are always a little bit oversized threes, um, undersized four and fives. But, you know, they find a way. And, and a lot of it has to do with coaching. And I, there's, there's not a coach in this league that I respect more than Jim Les. Uh, likewise, and uh, that takes us to the three seed, uh, the upstart UC Riverside Highlanders, probably with uh, you know th- one of their best years in Division One history. Certainly, I believe. I, correct me if I'm wrong, Trent. Is this the highest seed they've ever earned in the Big West tournament? The three seed. Yeah, I don't know that for sure, but it has to. I mean, at least since I've been around, like it has to be. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say it have, has to be. Also, I mean, they they have a very limited selection of winning seasons as a Division One basketball program this being one of them Mike Magpio has them on uh, the right track taking over this year when uh, uh, David Patrick went over to be the number two man over at Arkansas to to Eric Musselman Um, so what what have you observed out of uh, a team like Riverside I know Cheatham was was out for like what the last regular season series but my understanding is he's going to be back right Trent yeah, at least they're, they're hoping so. I don't know the details on that, but I know he did miss that last weekend, and he, he's an important piece for them. But he's not the only important piece for them. You know, like, it's like there's guys like Dominic Pickett that I remember him being a freshman, walk-on, team manager, just happy to be on the court. That guy has become a legit basketball player, and they have some real threats on the outside. Like, like Tattersall doesn't look like much, but he, he can go knock down threes, and it's it's – kind of game over like if when they get hot so I, I like the way they play defense they're a defensive first team they're a very good three-point shooting team you know it's funny brian we were just in the big west production truck and we were kind of they're putting together these graphics right for a team identity and strengths and weaknesses of every team just to kind of introduce fans to like maybe they haven't been on the big west all year this is what these teams do and we got to uc riverside and we got to weaknesses and we're looking around going I don't know what the weaknesses are because they are a really good basketball team. Uh, they're the only team to beat Irvine and Santa Barbara. I, I just think UC Riverside is really impressive. They had some impressive non-conference wins. And the probably the most impressive game for them all year was in a loss at USC when that game went to overtime and they played overtime without Orense Cheatham and lost by a possession. I mean, it, Meg Pio, his story is unbelievable. I mean, they have never coached as a head coach at any level prior to this. And here he comes and he takes over this program. And, you know, he, he inherited a good team, absolutely. But to get them playing like this, I, I don't think anybody saw this coming. I was just talking with Richie Schuler. We, we kind of saw Riverside as being maybe like the seventh, eighth, ninth team in the league. And here they are as the three seed. I, I, I give so much credit to Mike McPyle and what he's done. He definitely could have won Big West Coach of the Year uh, once on Joe Pasternak or Santa Barbara, but I think Meg Pyle would have been. I would have voted. I would have voted for Meg Pyle if I had a vote. 
I think I think that goes for me as well. Um, well, that that takes us to the the number two seed, your uh, UC Irvine Anteaters, which you've seen uh, game in and game out this year, Trent. Uh, as we touched on, super young, youngest overall team that Russ Turner's had. Uh, they're like what second youngest in the NCAA this year. <laughs> yeah, the second youngest team in the country, and it shows. But they also. They also show talent and guy, you know, Dawson Baker was named Big West freshman of the year. He's just kind of been a rock for them on the offensive side. And DJ Davis is, is a streaky scorer, but you see the potential. He reminds me a lot of a young Max Hazard. Um, and, and I think that DJ might even end up being better than Max. The guy that's really taken over the last, you know, three, four weekends has been Colin Velp. Colin Velp has finally started looking like a Big West player of the year kind of talent that we expected. I think early on in the season, he might have carried too much of the burden for this team. He might have been trying to do too much, and he was putting up numbers. Like, he was still getting his, but just the flow of the offense, I don't know that he had the trust in his teammates where, you know, Colin would get the ball and he'd kick it out for a three. If the three was missed, he might not pass back to that guy again. Well, now we're seeing a much different Colin Velp who, who's passing so well to double and triple teams to when you have to go single coverage on him. And, and he's lethal single coverage. His step back fall away on the baseline is ridiculous. I mean, he can turn, spin, shoot anywhere. He, he has the ability to get from the free throw line to the rim like nobody I've seen in a long time in the Big West just with footwork. So I, I'm really impressed by Colin Velp. Brad Green is, has just a physical presence too. And if he's able to stay out of foul trouble – I mean, Brad Green could be as much of a bully as anybody in this league, the way he can rebound and block shots. And, you know, Big West Defensive Player of the Year. They have a great front court, and they get different guys stepping up for them. Um, I would say an X-Factor player for UC Irvine, J.C. Butler, uh, the son of Karan Butler. He's a redshirt sophomore. I mean, he redshirted last year. He played as a freshman, redshirted last year. It's a tough thing to do. But he has come back, and, and I like the contributions he's made on the defensive end. Isaiah Lee doesn't put up good numbers, but he is a great, great defensive player. And Irvine has the ability to stop the best player basically every night. Whoever your best player is, generally speaking, Irvine's going to stop that guy, and it's going to be up to everybody else. And it's going to be a, a question of, of who has the depth to be able to withstand that, basically playing a handcuffed without their best dude. Well, uh, at the start of the year, you know, I was fully expecting Irvine to kind of run roughshod through the league again. I, I certainly expected Santa Barbara to provide the biggest obstacle. And, and that first weekend when Irvine took care of, of two against Santa Barbara, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Trent, was that at Santa Barbara? No, that was at Irvine. That was at Irvine. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to win both of those games, you know, I thought, oh my God, this is a, like a fait accompli already. Like this, this regular season race is over, but. But, you know, Santa Barbara, to its credit, r rattled off, what, 13 in a row wins uh, through the Big mm -hmm. West after that, put themselves in position to win the regular season for the first time under Coach Pasternak, and I believe first time kind of in a while for – I don't have the year in front of me uh, for mm -hmm. Santa Barbara, but what, what did you see out of the Gauchos this year, Trent, especially the way they responded after that opening series with Irvine? Well, I saw a player that I've always been really high on, and he was my preseason pick for player of the year. It was Amadou So. And I saw Amadou So not play very well at all against UC Irvine. And Joe Pasternak has later said that it had to do with, you know, Amadou not being healthy. But that guy has turned into a really physical force inside um, as the season's gone on. I think Jacory McLaughlin is hands down the best, you know, the, the most talented player in the league. I look at a body like Miles Norris. I mean, Miles Norris could be an NBA player. I mean, the Oregon He's transfer. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, just with his athleticism. He, he kind of yeah. reminds me um, uh, David Nwaba at Cal Poly. Um, 
at the time, like Nawaba wasn't their dude, but he was just a freak athlete and ends up having like a long NBA career. I could see Miles Norris being a guy like that. I think Ja'Cory McLaughlin might be able to get a look at the NBA too. I don't think there's a team in the Big West that is anywhere close, just pure talent-wise, than uh, UC Santa Barbara. I think that they're absolutely loaded. Now, how often are they all? Are they able to put it all together? Will they be able to put it together for three straight days? I don't know. They, they looked really good in the Big West Conference, but I mean, uh, like UC Riverside or UC Irvine, UC Irvine beat them twice and UC Riverside beat them once already and, and Riverside stuff. I mean, this is going to be no cakewalk for, uh, for, for UC Santa Barbara. Th- those three teams, any of those three, I think really have a great chance to go to the NCAA tournament. And, and there are some sleepers too. I mean, that's what's so fun about this. It's like you look on paper and you look at the records and you'd say, oh, well, UC Santa Barbara should just roll through this thing. And if you actually watch the games and you see how they're played, I think you'd have a much different opinion. All right, Gerald. Well, as you said, there there could be one of several teams, you know, to to come out of this thing uh, over those three days at Mandalay Bay. Um, all right, I'm going to ask you to we'll, we'll make our picks here. Is that is that good with you? You want to make some picks? <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble if I don't say anybody other than Irvine. But uh, I'll, maybe I'll give you a number two then. Okay, go ahead. All right. So <laughs> first round matchup, CSUN Long Beach. Who do you like? I'm calling that game, so I don't want to weigh in too much, but. I do think that right now CSUN's a team that's playing better. Long Beach State is, you know, down without their second leading scorer in Michael Carter. That that's gonna hurt them. I don't I, I'm not gonna say which I think is gonna happen in that game, but I see one team trending better than another team. Well, I will uh speak up and say CSUN gets out of that. Uh okay. all right. We have on the other first first round game, we got Fullerton and Cal Poly. You know, I know it's been a rough year for Cal Poly. Again, didn't win a road game. Is there any way they surprised Fullerton in this one? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, Fullerton's so streaky, and, and boy, Diedrich's got such a, a short bench there. He's got nobody to turn to on that bench right now. Um, yeah, I mean, Fullerton's, Fullerton's the better team, absolutely, but, but Cal Poly, man, they play so hard, and John Smith's got that team going, and, and they're trying to really create something there. So, yeah, there, there could be an upset. I, I, would not be, I would not be floored if Cal Poly were to pull off an upset. All right, well, the winner of that game gets UC Irvine. Uh, I, I'm thinking you're taking UC Irvine in this one. Uh, you know, well, just just quite honestly, I think Irvine's. Uh, I think it was a lot better than, than Cal Poly, and I look at Cal State Fullerton, and it's probably the best thing that could have happened for Irvine is that they lost to Cal State Fullerton, which was their worst loss of the season for sure. And I, I do think that there's going to be a chip on the shoulder there. I, I would I would really like Irvine's chances to win that that, that game. Okay, well, I will also take Irvine against either of those teams that would advance to play them in the quarterfinals. All right, we got the Riverside Hawaii matchup. Um, I I would, I think that's going to be a great basketball game. I really do. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm sorry, Hawaii Nation. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking UC Riverside, but I do think that's going to be a great basketball game. You know, I I said before Hawaii locked in at seed that they actually might even prefer being the sixth seed and playing Riverside as opposed to uh, moving up and maybe playing Bakersfield in the four or five matchup. And I'll stick to that, even though Bakersfield did lose uh, their center as we talked about. But I, so I do think this is a winnable for Hawaii, but the first round one and done's for Hawaii, you know, it's been three in a row now, even not including last year. Um, I, I don't know, man, it's, it's a true toss up. I, I think you might be right on the call for Riverside. Uh, okay. Davis and Bakersfield, as we said, Bakersfield missing a key component. Um, what do you think happens there? Four or five. And again, this is this is one of the two games that day that I'll, I'll be on the I'll be on the neutral call for. So I don't want to make a pick, but I, I will say UC Davis 
Kind of like CSUN, a team that's trending on the right way. They've won six of seven. I think Ezra Manyard's incredible. And, and you know, Bakersfield with without Stiff, it, it really hurts them inside. But if there was a team that you can get away with not having an inside presence, it would be UC Davis. So if Tajay Moore gets going, you know, Bakersfield plays so hard and they're so physical. That I think that's going to come down to like how much room the officials give uh, to Bakersfield there. Because if it's a loosely called game, I think Bakersfield's got a real shot to, uh, to win that game. Well, I will make the pick for us on this one, Trent. I'm going to say Bakersfield balls out for Rod Barnes on this one and, and gets the newcomer Roadrunners to the semifinals. And then Santa Barbara's got either the CSUN or Long Beach winner. Uh, I picked CSUN to come out. Uh, who do you like in a CSUN? You know, if, if TJ Starks mm-hmm. can get it rolling at all, do they give Santa Barbara any trouble in the quarters? Yeah, this is the, this is the other game that I'm doing. Uh, but I, I do think that UC Santa Barbara is a team that looks like any anything shy of them getting uh, to the Big West Championship game would be a real disappointment. I mean, the Gauchos are just really, really talented. All right. So in our theoretical semis, uh, Trent, we've got Irvine against Riverside 2-3. Um, how did that matchup look? And is there any, uh, you know, surprise Riverside championship game appearance over the Anteaters? I thought the best basketball game I saw all year was UC Irvine at UC Riverside on night two. I just thought that was the highest level game just in terms of competition. Both teams played their very best, I thought, and UC Irvine ended up winning that game. So with both teams at their best, Irvine beat Riverside, um, and I I could see that happening again. All right. I would give the experience advantage to uh, the Anteaters as well, and then we've got uh, Santa Barbara against potentially Bakersfield. Yeah, I like Santa Barbara there. I mean, and and a healthy Bakersfield, maybe it's a different story, but I mean, you see Santa Barbara, man. Um, I don't know how you pick against them. I'll go Gauchos. All right, and then that would leave a one-two battle oh, chalk, of the Titans. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> one-two battle of the Titans. I mean, Irvine has won this Big West tournament a couple of years in the last several now. Uh, Santa Barbara looking for that breakthrough since uh, – uh, right before Hawaii joined the league, I believe, in uh, 2012-13 season. So uh, any predictions over what that kind of matchup would look like in the title game? Well, you might want to call me the homer for being the UC Irvine announcer there. It's hard to beat a team three times. I mean, we, we talk about that storyline um, each and every season. But I, I think there is something – I don't know if it's mental or psycho, you know, is there something psychological there with UC Santa Barbara against UC Irvine. I think there's something to that. I also think that so struggles against really big physical inside players. I think he's, that's why, you know, he struggled um, at times against Riverside. That's why he struggled against Brad Green, I thought, earlier in the season. So because of that, I mean, if so, if so elevates and has, you know, a double-double kind of performance, I, I, I see Santa Barbara winning that game. But I don't know that he's going to be able to with, with the way UC Irvine plays defense. So um, I'm going to say the Anteaters. There you go. Homer pick, I know. But I'm going to say Anteaters. <laughs> All right, just to balance this thing out, I'm going to go Gauchos, Joe Pasternak. I think they they deliver finally after they've been kind of in the neighborhood the last couple of years. I think I'm going to predict Miles Norris has like some kind of ridiculous game in the championship uh, using those tools that you alluded to, uh, Trent, to, to maybe bother Colin or, or Brad Green a little bit. Yeah. But uh, that should be a heck of a matchup if it plays out that way, no doubt about it. I mean, think about the, just, just Brian, think about the matchups we just described. Like how many of those are just have the potential to just be great basketball games? I mean, that's what's so fun about this tournament. It's a, the wacky wild big West, uh, in a new location this year. 
you know, it's unfortunate the fans won't be there to see it, but but guys like you will be on the call in various capacities, Trent. So, uh, of course, grateful for that. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit about yourself, Trent, before yeah. before I cut you loose, because uh, I know you got some more prep work to do. But uh, <laughs> you, you grew up in Anaheim, California. You, you latched on with the Big West Productions uh, system broadcast truck uh, fairly early on in its in its run. Right? Was it the very first year that they were rolling out Big West Productions that that you managed to latch on there? So, if you'll allow me a moment, indulge me in telling this Please, story. Absolutely. So, I was doing games for Time Warner down in San Diego with a, with a lot of really good production people. Andrew Leahy was one of the guys, and I was still going to school at Chapman University. And for our newscast, we would cover the Big West tournament every year. I mean, we're just down the street from Honda Center. Why not? We'd cover it. So I got to know Steve Chen at the Big West pretty well from doing that. And Steve called me one day and said, you know, Trent, we, we got a couple of things working. We'd like you to do some Big West TV stuff. You know, we like your work. You know, we're talking maybe about doing some stuff with Fox Sports. He goes, but, you know, the kind of the big thing is ESPN and the Big West are, are working on the possibility of maybe producing our own games for ESPN's brand new digital platform, that ESPN three. And like, I, I said, ESPN three, how many ESPNs are there? He said, yeah, there's going to be ESPN three and the big West is going to be a part of it. I mean, it was so brand new. So all of a sudden, like August, September rolls around and, and we were trying to set things up and, and Steve calls me again and said, Hey, this thing is happening. He goes, but I need help. Like, I don't know any production people that can do this. Who, who can you call? So I call Andrew Leahy, who I was working with uh, down in San Diego. Uh, he was, um, I forget what branch of the military, but he's a reserve in the military that happened to be like on duty and was just getting back just in time to literally build the truck. I went with Steve Chen and Andrew down to uh, a Sprinter dealership to go buy the van, you know, when they purchased the van and literally was cutting cables and I was doing runs for them down to, you know, different stores or whatever. This is like pre Amazon even, um, you know, picking up different things to, to literally build the truck from the ground up. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but those guys did. So I just tried to, you know, help out as best I can basically being like their intern, which I just had a blast doing that. And I learned so many new things when it came to that. Well, all of a sudden, like we're still kind of putting the truck together like three days before the first game. I go to Steve and I'm like, you know, Steve, who's going to call this first game? And he goes, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. I was like, let me, let me call. Let's go. So he went and called Bristol and, and sent him my tape and said, Hey, we want to use this guy. Would that be okay? And, and they said, yeah, he's good enough. Why not? You know, give it a shot. And we started off doing women's soccer and we did a double header that first game. And, and I, I, I don't know that I could ever go back and watch that tape. I, I, I can't even imagine what it must look like, but here we are eight years later. And it's, it's just been crazy. It's, it's been unfortunate this year. I haven't done much with the Big West uh, Productions Group on ESPN really since last March. And uh, I'm really excited to be back with them uh, this week. This, I've been really looking forward to this. But um, it's just been a, a wild ride and a lot of good people that have uh, put together this, this production for the Big West. And I think it's really elevated um, as far as uh, how people consume the Big West. I mean, obviously, like in Hawaii, I think you guys are spoiled. I think that they do a great job on Spectrum. Uh, but you know, not every team across the league gets that same kind of coverage. And I think, uh, the big West productions ESPN three, uh, group has, has really stepped up and do a nice work and come a long way too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. you, how, you mentioned you were still a student at Chapman. So that would have put you at what? 21, 22 years old when you're on that first call. The first call I was 20. 
Oh my god! I, I was twenty because I they wanted to go for a drink after and I couldn't go. Uh, that was I was I was really bummed about that. Yeah, that was that was it was that early on. I'm just I mean I'm thinking back to it now, going it just just absolutely crazy when we first got started doing this and and you know experiencing our first Big West tournament and that was the year that Cal Poly was the seven seed and ended up going right. um, with the Joe Calero team and Chris Eversley and that group was just just. You know, David Nawaba again was an afterthought on that team, which is which is comical to me. Uh, but yeah, that that was that year, and and yeah, they they've grown in uh, in a big way, and a lot of different people have stepped up. I I got to tell you, uh, Misha Padilla and Joe Hood have really taken the reins on that, and they do great great work. Excellent. And uh, but you you've kind of grown and blossomed, and you know moved on to other things as well. I mean, we've talked about your your calls for UC Irvine. I'm curious how how that came to be, and then. Uh, were you already doing things with the Angels prior to that? Was it about the same time? So Yeah, I, I had already started working for the Angels. And UC Irvine and AM830, the, the Angels flagship station in, in Southern California, worked together a partnership to carry some of the games. And I wanted, you know, my dream is to do play-by-play -play for the Angels. And I, I really would like to do that at some point. So... I thought an opportunity to try to get closer to that dream was to be able to call games on our station, the, the station the Angels were on. So that was kind of the genesis of that. And I had developed a pretty good relationship with UC Irvine through the, the Big West Productions Group. And, and you know, Russ Turner and I have really gotten along since since day one, which has been cool. So um, I was really excited to, to do their games and experience the non-conference part of the schedule. Because you, I'm used to like just starting in league, but to travel across the country and get those experiences and, and see different places and experience a more national level of basketball was exciting to me. So I wanted to do that uh, for that reason. I love doing the games on the radio. And for a while, I was able to kind of maintain doing a game a week for, for ESPN and also still doing the two UC Irvine games. Uh, this year, it was a challenge just the way the schedule uh, came to be it didn't allow me to do that which was which was a bummer for sure but uh that was kind of the genesis of that and and yeah it's just kind of you know i just picked up a lot of little jobs here and there trying to try to make a life in a crazy crazy business and maybe you could elaborate a little more on the the angel side of things you know what's mm -hmm. it like working for a professional baseball organization like that yeah. mlb organization and uh you know you're an anaheim guy so yeah um you mentioned wanting to do anaheim Angels play-by-play. -play. I mean, what does that mean to you? It's 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 an incredibly humbling and rewarding experience. I mean, I just you know when we get to there's there's steps up the when you go from the clubhouse through the dugout onto the field, and I try to take a moment, any chance I can, to to make that walk that so many great players have made for so long, and you know guys now like Albert Pujols and Mike Trout and. And when you go from like this little cave and then you walk through and you just see the big, bright, beautiful green field, it just kind of hits you when you realize that this is what the major leagues are like. Um, so that always kind of sticks with me. Doing professional sports is, is an incredibly different animal when it comes to coverage, when it comes to fan interest, uh, when it comes to engaging and, and how you cover a team. It, it's fascinating. It's rewarding. Um, and, and for me, it's home, you know, that, that was, that was the other kind of, you know, big part of this. And that's why I want to cover, uh, the, the, you know, the angels for as long as I possibly can. I, I love doing that. I got hired on to work as an updates anchor, uh, four hours a day for barely over a minimum wage. Uh, I think interns made more money than I did when I first started with the angels. And I, I've been able to, 
kind of talk different people into letting me do different things. And, and it's evolved in, a, you know, where I've been able to have a career and, and had an opportunity to, you know, I, I don't know who's going to be the new Angels TV announcer, um, but I, I feel very blessed to at least have gotten an opportunity to, to speak my mind and, and, and tell, you know, why I want to do that job. So whoever it ends up being, I think is going to be great. Um, I, I have a lot of faith in, in what's going to happen there. But, you know, no matter what, I, I, I love being around that team. I, I love, um, you know, baseball is just, it's a grind, but you got to love the grind. Anybody that knows baseball, it's just so different from all the other sports. And there's a culture and a community that's a part of it and, uh, for all those things. I know it's a long, long, long answer for, for your question, but um, I love uh, I, I love it for, for all those things. And uh, real real quick aside on the Angels there, Trent, um, a couple years ago, um, I think a lot of people remember the, the Tyler Skaggs, um, you know, home game after his passing and the, his, you know, the team coming through with like a combined no hitter and uh, all the guys laying the jerseys on the on the mound afterwards. Right. I mean, that was just like a I, we call that like a chicken skin moment out here in Hawaii. Um, you know, getting, were you were you there for that? And uh, what, what do you remember for that? I'm getting chicken skin thinking of that right now. Um that is the greatest sporting event I've ever been to and probably will ever go to. What that meant in that moment. I mean, Mike Trout in his first at-bat hits a home run that goes 454 feet, 45 forwards and backwards. I mean, just the way that game started. Yeah, you had Tyler's mom, Debbie, in the in the dugout with, with our owner, Artie Moreno, and his wife, Carol, and, and they're hugging, and, and there's just tears, and everyone's wearing 45 jerseys. And it was just so emotional right from the beginning. You just couldn't help but, but be overwhelmed by that. And, and you knew Trout was going to do something. I mean, you, you knew, I, I just, I had a, I, I knew he was going to hit a home run. I just knew it. I didn't know what happened in the first at bat, but you could just, you just feel all of that emotion. And then, you know, they win the game and they don't just win, but it's a combined no hitter from Taylor Cole and Felix Pena. Like the most unlikely combination to throw a combined no hitter in that game. And I remember talking with Dustin Garno, big West connection. He played at Cal state Fullerton and he was the catcher that night. And we're doing a, a post game interview live on the air. As soon as that game came to an end, I mean, there's not a dry eye in the house and we're in the middle of talking. And um, I see out of the corner of my eye, the players are, are walking out to the mound. And I told Dustin, I said, Dustin, I, I hate to cut you off. I said, but I think you need to be with your team right now. And it probably wasn't the best radio. Uh, but it was the right thing to do, I think, at a human level. Um, and, and they went and they all took their jerseys off and put their jerseys on the mound and had a, a tribute to Tyler Skaggs. I mean, it was just the, the single most incredible, improbable moment. And, and you just can't help but, but think there was, there was something greater at play that night. Yeah, uh, just mystical, magical, whatever you want to call it. No doubt. Mm -hmm. I remember watching on TV just – you know, I, I hadn't even planned to watch the game. And, you know, I just noticed like, oh, well, maybe, you know, this this could be kind of interesting. And it was just unbelievable. Um, yeah. Well, Trent, you know, uh, I know you do have some some prep work to, to still get to. Um, it's been fun listening to, to your calls on ESPN3 the, the last several years since you really uh, have, you know, become a, a name around the Big West and established yourself uh, there in SoCal. Um Final thoughts from you, my friend. What what you're looking forward to in this 
a different year of college basketball before the, the NCAA tournament in this Las Vegas setting where the Big West has not been in some time. <laughs> we, we miss the fans like crazy. We're going to do our best to make you feel like you're there. We really are. We're talking with the production team about that all the time. We're going to do everything we can to make you feel like you're part of the energy because I think it's going to be really fun, exciting basketball. And I'm, I'm thrilled that we get to do this because – these guys have worked so hard and it's been such a challenge for all these teams. And, and I know in Hawaii, you know, there, there's a lot of challenges there clearly. Uh, but I think all, every team this year has felt these things just to get to this point. I, I, you know, I don't think many people thought we would even be here right now at this point in the season. And so what a treat. And, you know, we also know not to take things for granted. We all saw it taken away from us last year. I mean, I remember I was in the parking lot at Honda Center when I got the call, the games are off. I was getting ready to call the games. And I just turned around and went home. I mean, that was it. Um, so I think we all know what these games mean. And we all know what it's like now to not have them. So I think you cherish it a little bit more. And, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how the players respond to that too. I, I'm glad you, that was an omission on my part, asking you where you were last year when uh, everything got, you know, fell apart on a moment's notice. Cause that's been a very popular question to ask people who were up there last year. And uh quick, quick side note before I let you go, who would have predicted that of all the teams of the big West, Hawaii plays the most conference games, gets the <laughs> yeah. most games in. Right. Uh, I, it's awesome. I would have predicted the fewest by a mile, you know, just with all the travel involved. And But I'm so happy it played out that way. I mean, it means, you know, guys did the right thing and you, you weren't being dumb to go, you know, put yourself at risk and you stayed disciplined. And I know sometimes it's out of people's control if they catch this thing or not. But, man, credit to everybody for pulling together and getting through this. I mean, I, I, I'm – just Brian, think about it to when you were eighteen to twenty-two years old. I know how I was. I mean, man, it would have been really hard for me to to stay as disciplined as these guys have, but, but they have, and that's that's an incredible achievement for all of these teams uh, to just get to this point. Well, I can't imagine what you were doing. You were calling games for uh, ESPN three, <laughs> yeah, so uh, that, that that's an amazing story in its own right. Uh, Trent Rush, thank you so much for making some time on the Court Suns podcast. Brian, thank you so much. I really appreciate you.